Oh, what fresh hell is this? This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. All right, everybody. It is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. We are back with another episode. Uh, let's see. It is currently October the 15th. It is raining outside. Uh, we almost had to uh, drop this recording this evening due to some power and internet issues. But uh, right about the time I told everybody not to worry about it, uh, everything righted itself. So here we are. Good. Uh, so tonight I am smoking on the um, Murcielago. Uh, which is blended by Eric Espinosa and rolled down at the Lozona factory. Now, this one was actually uh, handed to me by uh, our very own cigar savant on one of my many uh, treks over to the Woodstock area. Uh, but this one features my favorite wrapper on planet Earth, the Mexican San Andreas. Uh, and binder and filler are both, uh, excuse me, Nicaraguan. Uh, very nice, uh, grassy, earthy notes. Mm-hmm. little touch of leather. A uh, lot of spice. Really enjoyed it, though. Um, very smooth. Um, nice hints of black pepper. Uh, maybe a hint of just like a little red pepper back on the retro hell, but very, very nice smoke. I recommend this one to anybody out there listening. Uh, Benjamin, what you smoking on tonight? Tonight, I have the Nat Sherman uh, Timeless Collection called the Divino. And what that is... Uh, it's the timeless collection, but it's, it's a robusto size and a perfecto vitola, perfecto shape. Um, so it's you know tapered on both ends, of course. And they don't there's not a lot of cigars out there with this shape, so I wanted to venture into something a little bit different. Um, but this timeless collection uh, came about when Nat Sherman, uh, for those who may not know, Nat Sherman was a family-owned company that started in the 1930s in New York City, and this particular cigar came about when they were. Uh, engaging in uh, both retailers and consumers in a sampling process. And they wanted to get input from both sides, and they both out came this timeless collection. Uh, It is a Honduran wrapper. It is a Dominican binder, and then the filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan. And uh, it's made in the Dominican Republic. Uh, It's medium-bodied, medium-flavored. It burns really well. Smooth, clean. Can't complain. Yeah, sounds really nice. Senior, what you yeah. got going on over there? Well, like I said, I'm kind of taking advantage of the situation. For one of the rare occasions, I'm actually at home. So I've got a Davidoff Estero and pairing that up with a little bit of Woodford Reserve. That is a good combination. Nice. That is this, good. This is going very well. I'm, I'm loving life right this moment. Yeah, that's a great smoke. That's one of your favorites, Senior, isn't it? You, you really like that one. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Uh Junior bought me a uh, box seven for Father's Day at a uh, Davidoff event up in Huntsville. And this is one of those that's been lingering around well, probably at least a year, possibly two. Awesome. And, of course, the uh, Cigar Savant. What you got going on, over <coughs> going on over there? I am smoking the Terra Volcan uh, Classico by Mombacho Cigars. That's now, I selected this for a reason. Nambacho Cigars was founded in the spring of 2006 by a pair of Canadian friends, uh, Marcus Ratty and Cameron Heaps. 
when they visited Nicaragua in 2005 for some ecotourism. And, you know, Nicaragua, besides being big for on cigars, is very big on ecotourism. Now, after hiking the volcano Mombacho in Granada, uh, they met Silvio Reyes, the owner of Donna Elba Cigars, which is a small cigar manufacturing operation in Granada, Nicaragua. Now, Silvio Reyes, who has passed away, and a third friend who is no longer with the company, came together to form Mombacho Cigars. Now, the company's Casa Mombacho factory is based in Granada, Nicaragua. And I have been there, and it's if you're going to go to Nicaragua, you've got to make a trip to Granada and, and visit their factory. Uh, the Casa Mombacho factory, again, based in Granada, and while its offices for the cigars are located in Toronto, Mombacho has been selling directly to tourists who visit the factory as well as to select markets in Canada, Italy, and China and, of course, now in the United States. The name Mabacho comes from the nearby volcano known as Mombacho, which means mother of our islands in the local indigenous culture. The volcano, uh, which last erupted in 1570, stands over 4,400 feet and is still an active volcano despite not having erupted for nearly 450 years. And I remember when I was there and I was out on the balcony and I looked up and I went, is that the volcano? And they told me, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's dead. It's extinct. And I said, no such thing. And I'll tell you, if this thing, this thing blew, I would have been gone in seconds. Now, the company and its terrible con line as it's called in the U.S., uh, made its debut at the 2014 IPCPR trade show. The terrible con references the fact that the land that Granada and the surrounding area sits on was formed by the volcano. Now, the cigar has been blended by Claudio Scroy, who went to work for Mombacho in September of 2011, and is now the company's president. The cigar is a medium-bodied Nicaraguan Puro, which means all the tobacco is coming from Nicaragua, uh, with an oily wrapper being Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano uh, from Jalapa. The binder is a Nicaraguan Criollo from Candega, and the filler tobacco is Nicaraguan from Candega and Jalapa. Superbly constructed, it's topped with a cripple cap, a closed foot, and it's double banded. The cigar is available in four sizes in boxes of 24. Now, overall, I found the draw to be just outstanding. The cigar delivered very abundant, nice layers of tasty smoke, easy and effortless, making my tasting notes a breeze and making my smoking experience a really memorable one. I found the Terrible Con Classico to be a unique flavor bomb, full of richness, nuance, and character, very complex. I, I tasted 
dominant, rich, earthy, natural tobacco flavors coupled with coffee bean, cocoa, and Earl Grey tea. There were notes of red and black pepper spice, uh, but muted with dry fruit like apples and pears. A slight sweetness of chocolate drizzled on a buttery pie crust just teased my palate as I uh, detected hints of an almond cherry caramel essence. Now, my tip to you is to do yourself a favor. And, and I don't say this wrongly. I meant flavor. But if you insist, I'm going to say favor and seek out and find this cigar. The Terrible Con Classico by Mombacho Cigars was so uniquely flavorful and complex that I have to say, you know, yes, it, it more than deserves a cigar tipster by recommendation, you know, if not a by a box recommendation. Now, I paired the Terra Volcan Classico with several cups of Marley coffee. To be specific, the One Love Blonde blend, and yes, I mean Marley coffee, the brand named after Barb Marley, not my wife. Yeah, it's a medium blend of pure Ethiopian coffee, and after all, Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. And I tasted tropical floral notes and sweet berry hints with it. Just a great match with the terrible Con Classico. And by the way, the coffee is organic, and it's grown very sustainably. Mark? Yes, sir. You you broke up a little bit on that last part, so repeat the last thing you said. I said the coffee was excellent, and it is organic, and it is grown sustainably. Okay, very cool. And uh, good to hear uh, you've got a nice cigar over there. I'm definitely going to add that one to my list uh, of things to try in the very, very near future. That's, that description makes me want to go get a slice of pie. It, it, I, I, I just envisioned dessert just now. If I was stuck on an island and I heard this description on this podcast, it would, it would be my breakfast. They are that truly was, cigars. They're, they're great people. I, I've even been to a tasting event that Claudio did, and... It was incredibly informative. All the people at the factory are very, very friendly. Uh, it's just a, a great place to check out. And when we all go to Nicaragua, we're going to have to make a side trip to Granada and um, check the factory out because you guys will just love it. Now, Alan, and Granada is a neat city, too. Uh, and you may have answered this, but did you acquire that cigar while visiting Granada or did you find it here in the States? And purchased it. Where did you find that cigar that you're smoking? You can find the cigar. It's readily available in just about every shop in Atlanta. Uh, I'm sure just about every shop in Georgia okay. and in the southeast. Um, the first place I had it was at a cigar shop here called Blue Havana 2. And then again, it was also part of the 
uh, Nicaraguan package that they put together for us. And, of course, I had them at the factory. Okay. So you've had them multiple times. So I've had them multiple times, and everything they make is just absolutely fantastic. You know, another thing that's really incredible about their cigars is every one has a born-on stamp. So if you peel off the label and you look at the other side, it's going to have a date on it, at least a month and year, and it'll tell you exactly when that cigar was rolled. Interesting. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, so you you can see the aging on them. Yeah, I'd like to see a lot of other manufacturers uh, start doing that because we never know, you know, how long they sit in warehouses and humidors and on the shelf for that matter. We have to, so yeah, we could do research and says it tells you it's been aged for two years, but it'd be nice to see. Oh, it was rolled at this time, and so from there, it just gives you an indication of how long maybe you want to age it, you know, yourself or something like that. So that that is pretty cool. They put a vintage date. I had and smoked a cigar, and I'm not going to tell you which, which one it was, um, about a week ago, and it wasn't a cheap cigar. And I happened to say, um, eh, it's okay, and, and one of my friends made a, a great comment. He says, yeah, this is a Chevrolet with automatic transmission, and the <laughs> um, air conditioning doesn't work. Uh, was that's his, normal. Was that's, that's very normal for Chevys. But this another friend of mine said, "Yeah, but I bet if we put yeah. these away for six months to a year, they're really going to be fantastic." And I'm thinking to myself, "What are you saying to me that they they didn't age this properly, or they they rushed it to market?" So I really would like to see the the dates on the cigars. But of yeah, course, you got to buy it to rip the band off. That's true. Yep. And along those same lines, I'll throw one out there that is a a high end cigar that's basically that way. Um, the Opus X by Puente. You said those, this before. If you, yeah, if you buy them straight away and smoke them, yeah, they're good smoke. But if you'll let them age for about a year, they turn into an incredible smoke. Do you think that's because maybe they're producing faster than, you know, I think it is demand? Because they're trying to yeah, get I them out. I think they're rushing them to market. Exactly. Okay. Well, and speaking, speaking of Opus, you know, there are, you know, me and Senior have had a couple where we smoked them straight out of the box and then smoked a couple a year and then a couple of years later. And aging does absolute wonders for them. Now, there is one particular Opus X that admittedly can be hard to find because they only come out in small batches, but they're, they're Opus Xs that have been aged 11 years. And I read a story today that one of the latest batches of those was going to start hitting stores very soon. Uh, so if you want a, an Opus that's going to have that out-of-the-box uh, amazement factor, those uh, Opus Forbidden X are going to be the ones that you want to look for. If you can find them, yeah. <laughs> and if you've okay. got uh, reasonably, yeah, do you know what the price period. point is on those? Uh, I saw kind of mixed figures, but most of them were in the twenty to twenty-five dollar range. That's, that's not, not too bad. More than, that's not much more than the normal ones they bring out. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean they, they were three hundred dollars a stick. Yeah, no, 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 no. 
No, they they seem to be priced within the the same genre, but they seem to be just that much harder to find. But they've been aged 11 years. They claim. Mm. So now, is that okay. the tobacco has been aged? I've probably or... the tobacco. I don't think it's been rolled 11 years ago. Yeah. I probably the tobacco. But still, I mean, 11-year-age tobacco would still be good. But... Now, the three that I got in that 10, Mark, that were Opus, how old were those? Do you remember? Because they had several years on them because I paid a premium for them. Those? Oh, God. I want to say they were sometime in the 90s? Wasn't it like 96 so. or something like that? Something or like I that. way off base with that? No, I think that's yeah, about right. 10, 10 had 96 stamped on it, if I remember. Yeah, I think um, it had a date stamp on it. Yeah, but all those were really, really good. I, I, oh. I don't know what you paid for them, but I, I would venture to say they were worth the cost. They were to me. I didn't pay anything for them. <laughs> I was going to say, to you, yeah, to me, I don't know. They, they were excellent, but they, they were pricey. Uh, now, we're on, eh, we're somewhere in the 40s in, in terms of number of episodes that we've done here, but if you ever want to go back and you know catch up on some of the older episodes, uh, you can hit up cigartipsters.com. Click the podcast link uh, at the top of the page. You'll find all uh, 40-some episodes right there on the page, but you'll also find links to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all the various places that you can find the podcast and look up those older episodes. Uh, admittedly, the show has evolved quite a lot uh, since those early episodes where I tended to laugh a lot at words like nipple and uh, what was the other one? Uh Affectionate audio, audio. Yeah, that's that, that <laughs> the uh, the tight ash. Uh, that one would always make me giggle. But thankfully, we've somewhat evolved past those days. Um, I can't believe you would ask pe- people to actually torture themselves and go back and listen to some of those. <laughs> I, might be fun. <laughs> yeah, d- disclaimer that that was before Alan uh, came on board, and we were a little bit more. Um, it was canony back then. Uh, Immature. Yes, that's that's a wonderful way to put that's it. That's a great um, word. We're going to leave it at that because that's that's family friendly words. <laughs> now, uh, but yeah, get on the website and, and check out all those old episodes and uh, get a subscription uh, to one of them. That way, you get alerts when the new episodes come out. Um, but getting back to cigars, uh, Ben clued me in on an interesting story. Uh, just a couple of days ago, where a cigar that was smoked by Winston Churchill. Now, mind you, this is not a full cigar. This is what is left of a cigar that Winston Churchill smoked. Uh, you can see where the the upper portion of the wrapper got wet. You can see where there's only four inches of it left. Yeah, and, and <laughs> surprisingly, the band is still intact. But this. Uh, piece of sort of cigar sold at an auction for $12,000. To an American? Yes. To an idiot. It was. Uh, Now, I get it. Oh, I can understand it. I'm a bit of a collector myself, but, you know, I don't think I would have paid more than nine or ten thousand. (laughs) <laughs> oh well, <yeah. laughs> conservative. Back, back close, two thousand dollars away. 
Well, you would have lost that auction with that. So now, Ben, you should take a a picture of that cigar and put it on Facebook for people to see if they haven't haven't looked at it. Because what I found interesting about it is the label itself. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Churchill sized cigar is, of course, named for Winston Churchill. And you know, if you ordered lots and lots and lots of cigars. You know, they would, um, apparently this factory, the La Corona factory, would actually put your name on the label. And you can see his name on the label. It's it's real interesting. It says La Corona up top, and then Habana at the bottom, and then in the middle, Winston Churchill. So that was specifically yeah, so his. You, now, uh, I've been reading a little bit about Winston Churchill, a little bit of autobiography and everything, and one of the guys uh, in the book that's a new Winston Churchill he would light his cigars more than really smoke them. He liked the ritual. I know he would smoke them, but he would go through like 12, 13 cigars a day, but he would like light it and then walk around with it. And he wouldn't just constantly puff on it all day for whatever reason he was in his hand and in his mouth. Um, but so that's why there's still some of it left. And what this particular cigar, uh, it was an anonymous collector in Palm beach, Florida paid 12 grand, uh, at a Boston based online auction. Uh, and, what it does, uh, this particular cigar, he, he fired up the cigar on May 11th and 47 at Olympia Airport, according to the auction company. Okay. Uh, the auction company said that the, a British airman, Corporal William Allen Turner, kept the cigar after his crew flew Churchill and his wife back t- uh, to Paris and back. So that's where the cigar uh, had, came, had come from. He actually had to put it out to board the plane. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting because if if you read about Churchill, one of the infamous things is when during you know during the wartime he'd fly on the you know on the bomber planes and all that he had a special air mask designed to where he could smoke cigars while up there specifically just for him because he loved the, uh, the cigars so much. But um, it's just interesting. I would not have guessed twelve grand for the cigar, but if there someone is filthy rich and just an avid collector, sure. I don't know. I've never had that kind of money. Another thing that Winston Churchill used to do that I find just incredibly fascinating is he would take um, six-inch steel pins and put them in his cigar, almost like a, a poker, you know, and he kept several of those ready to go in his pocket and in, uh, if someone was lecturing or, or speaking in, uh, oh, I can't think of what they call it in England, like our Congress. Uh, Parliament. Parliament. Parliament, yes. If someone was speaking in Parliament and he didn't want to hear them anymore, he would light up one of these cigars and it would keep the ash on. So it was almost like he had a longest ash contest going on. And what would happen is after two inches or so, everybody would start watching Churchill to see when the ash was going to fall off on him. <laughs> but he kept the, the and bar and of course in there they weren't to listening hold, to hold the his ash. opponent in Parliament. Yeah, that, that's, as a, that's a as an okay public speaker, that's got to be a uh, a pretty shitty thing to to look out on the crowd and realize they're, they're watching a guy smoke a cigar more than they're watching you talk about whatever it is you're talking about. 
so definitely an interesting uh, political play there uh, by Churchill. So and, and, and now I'll admit it, it's an interesting piece because it's a cigar smoked by Churchill with Mrs. Churchill's name on it. But uh, to, to whoever you are that bought it, more power to you. Yeah. And, and, and make sure you hang on to those butts you pulled out of my uh, ashtrays at the uh, tweet up and because someday you might be able to auction them off for a lot of money. Several dollars. That's why Ben was raiding the ashtrays at tweet up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 I really I, I, I didn't have money. I needed something to smoke so I just grabbed some butts out of the, Ooh, I'm, I'm one of the guys. <laughs> Ben, you're you're so desperate to be to be part I, of the community. I need to be part of the community. I hate being alone. <laughs> I need to feel welcome. Says the man moving to Maine mm. in winter. Oh, speaking of that, I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. Um, yeah. Big announcement. Our, our very own Benjamin. Uh, he's all grown up now. Him and his wife are moving to Maine. Yep. Uh, now he will still be a part of the show, uh, but due yep. to um, internet limitations in Maine, he will be participa participating via Morse code. <laughs> uh, because that's all they have there. Or so I'm My told. responses will take a very long time, and you'll have to decipher them, and I hope you have a telegraph machine. It, it's actually going to be a new contest. Um, if you can tell us what Ben is saying in Morse code, we'll give you a cigar. <laughs> well, that'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll be by moose mail. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. But no, in all seriousness, uh, best of luck to our, our young uh, Benjamin as he moves on to uh, a new adventure here. Uh, and yes. Benjamin, when do you make the move? Uh, in a few weeks. About, uh, I'd say about between two and four weeks, somewhere in there. Just going to pack up and uh, head up there. My job called me and gave me an offer. and So I've got my job secured up there, so we're just going to pack up and and head on up, basically. What town was so, yeah. it? In South Portland is where the uh, the company will be, and then we'll be living probably about a half an hour outside of that. Is there a cigar shop there? There are very few, which if someday I decide to open up my own shop up there, it's kind of a niche because it, you have to do stuff indoors up there. And so, but I've, I've looked online, and there's they're scattered and they're few, and I've... I, their website is not all that advanced. Pictures aren't that great. Uh, and they're small little shacks. So I want to do something nice up there if I get the opportunity uh, to have my own cigar shop. But, um, yeah, where, where I'll be living, I don't. there's probably one, I think, about 20 minutes from where I will be living. But it's not a very big place. So we'll see how that goes. And as we mentioned uh Regarding that Churchill story, we will put that picture of the particular cigar that that gentleman bought, uh, both on the Facebook and the Instagram page, if you want to get a look at that, uh, uh, what's left of that particular Mark, cigar. Mark, how do they find us on Facebook? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Cigar Tipster. Uh, same on Instagram as well, just Instagram.com forward slash Cigar Tipster, and even Twitter.com forward slash Cigar Tipster. So... Uh, luckily, we got the same uh, username on all three, uh, so just at Cigar Tipster on all three of those services, and uh, we'll be putting up that picture sometime before the evening is over. If you want to take a look at that uh, uh, picture and see uh, see that interesting little piece of history that that gentleman got his hands on, 
coming out uh, in just a couple of weeks, November the 1st, first, a new Davidoff will hit the shelves. It's uh, part of their Zodiac collection, this one, Year of the Dog. Uh, The Davidoff Limited Edition 2018 Year of the Dog is, speaking of Churchill, a 7x50 Churchill, which uses an Ecuadorian Habano Claro wrapper, Dominican San Vicente Seco binder, and four fillers. That was kind of a mouthful. Uh, the four fillers are Dominican Peloto, Seco, and Viso, San Vicente Lejero, and Seco and Visos from Esteli, Nicaragua. And I am amazed that I did You not... went through all of that flawlessly. That I am proud of you. Yeah, I, that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I did not miss You must have been practicing all day. Do you know yes. what the hell any of that means? No, I do not. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, now. Of course, yeah. you, when you meant the Zodiac series, you you meant the Chinese Zodiac. Yes, not the Zodiac uh, serial killer series. No, that that would be weird. That's an exploding cigar. <laughs> um, but I have a Year of the Rooster cigar that a friend of mine gave me. Yeah, I was going to ask you to smoke that one yet. Uh, not no, not the dog, but the uh, that particular cigar. No, not yet. I'm saving that for when we close on a house in Maine, and that'll be my celebratory smoke at that point. I'll need something to warm me up anyway, so that's what I'm saving that for. Uh, and do we uh, have any idea what the price point will be on this cigar? <laughs> Somewhere yeah, between a lot for... and a lot more. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit on the pricey side. Uh, they did limit production to 4,500 boxes of 10 cigars, so. Only going to be 45,000 of them out there to get your hands on. Pricing roughly $39 a stick. Wow. Yeah. Um, I will probably try it at some point, but uh, I will probably try one of them. Now, Davidoff also brought out a couple of accessories to go along with this release. The first is the Year of the Dog Duo Cut Punch Cutter. Uh, it's an aluminum punch cutter, features two separate blades, one for 40 to 50 ring gauge cigars. The other can handle the 50 to 70 ring gauge cigars. Uh, all stainless steel, nice leather handle, uh, all German-made uh, cutlery there, pricing $230 for that punch cut. Uh, the second one that they're bringing out is the Year of the Dog Travel Humidor. Uh, new design completely for Davidoff Travel Humidors. Uh, inside, there's a soft storage tray for the cigars, and it's also got a nice handy cutout for that punch that we just mentioned. Uh, this uh, pouch is coming out of it, Italy. Only 200 numbered units. Uh, pricing on those will be $350. Uh, so while they are both very nice, and I like the dual blade cutter, uh, both are a little out of my price range, but... Definitely wanted to mention that uh, to our listeners who enjoy uh, Davidoff. Well, I'm sure that gentleman that bought the cigar for 12000 will be buying a box and a cutter and a travel pouch. Uh, probably. probably. Yeah, and I, I, like I said, I won't lie. I'll probably try the cigar at some point. But it's, it's not – I'm much too poor to smoke it on any sort of regular basis. It is a very, that's a lot of tobaccos going in there. 
<laughs> that is quite yep. the complex blend. I can't imagine the blending process having to go through to come up with this particular this particular cigar. Having to go through multiple different rounds of, of tobaccos just to get to this point. What a process. Yeah, it definitely sounds like they, they put a lot of time, effort, and probably money uh, into bringing this thing together. Uh, I'll be interested to hear uh, how the rooster turns out when you eventually do smoke it. And uh, well, I'm of, sure the cigar was not blended by Matt Booth. Hell no. <laughs> uh, Junior, speak, uh, speaking of Davidoff, the CEO has stepped down. And they I are, not I think, that. looking for someone. Yeah, and they're, they either, he stepped down, the Hesgard, Hes Hesgard, whatever his name is. Uh, he's no longer with the CEO of Davidoff, and I think they're looking into someone to replace him. So, Junior, fill out the application, go online. I'll, I'll actually, uh, yeah, I'll do one better. I, I'll actually send him a nicely uh, printed resume with a with a hint of um, cologne on it. Tricar <laughs> Nor, right? Yes. No, I better get. No, they actually uh, Davidoff makes some uh, cologne. I better use theirs. The cool water. Yes, that's what these Davidoff cool water. I see more as an aqua velva type guy. Well, you know, actually, the cool water, I'll admit, I've, I've smelled it. I'm not a fan of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I just go to Walmart and buy uh, What's that old old spice? English uh, the leather. One in the white bottle, you know, with the little red uh, stopper top. Yeah, we're still trying to get that smell out of the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you can try and try, and it never leaves. Yeah. Now that we've talked a little bit about Davidoff, uh, I'm going to throw uh, a little bit of a curveball here. We did have a, an FDA story come out this week as well that I wanted to just touch on a little bit. And that is the, the FDA brought out uh, some official guidance, uh, quote unquote, on the uh, giving of samples and what is and is not legal. Uh, to give you just a quick overview of some of what they mentioned, uh, handing out free samples is illegal. Now, if you purchase a cigar and you get a free cigar, that's fine. Uh, buy one, BOGO deals are fine, but you can't sell someone a cup of coffee and hand them a, a cigar as a free gift. That's a uh, that's a no-no. Uh, ticketed events are fine, kind of like the tweet-ups and the big smokes and things of that nature. The one thing they really did not mention at all uh, was things like Cigars for Warriors and things like that. So uh, I think those uh, organizations are still a little bit up in the air on what they can and can't do and what we as consumers can and can't do. So, uh, Ben, you sent me that story. What were your thoughts on that? Right. Well, to kind of tangent off of what you just mentioned as far as Cigars for Warriors, the, an article was written last year in October, just about a couple months after that August Rule 1 uh, went into effect. And I want to read this specific part of the article because this is what made me laugh. Um, it says that the FDA's ban on donating cigars only applies to retailers and manufacturers who wish to donate cigars to troops at no cost. Those donations would fall under the ban on free samples, which FDA claims is to prevent consumers from being enticed to make a tobacco purchase. Now, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing... Cigars for Warriors, they get, they get large, well, they used to get large donations from Rocky Patel and J.C. Newman, um, and then send these cigars overseas to the troops. 
So the FDA is saying, well, that's giving out free samples. That's illegal. So we have Cigars for Warriors has boxes, um, which sends around eight to 10,000 cigars a month or whatever that get donated straight to the troops so they can enjoy their lives. We've got troops overseas that are fighting and sacrificing for the freedom of this country. And the FDA is saying, well, we want to prevent consumers from being enticed to make a tobacco purchase. Who the hell consumers overseas in the Middle East is going to be enticed to make a tobacco purchase? <laughs> well, first off, they're in the hands of the, of the soldiers. And then... It, like like these cigars that the troops have are just going to go into villages and start handing them out to children. Is that and then those children are going to go to their local B and M and buy Davidoffs? Is that buy Rocky Patels? Is, is that what they they're really trying to protect those consumers overseas? That's your typical you know government trying to be a nanny state and not thinking clearly. And, when, and Junior, you said earlier from the from the latest article, um, as far as publishing quote guidance on the free sample ban, um, this is what the bill says: the FDA does not consider this regulation to apply to businesses distributing free samples in a limited quantity. Um, let's see here uh, to another business as part of a genuine effort to sell or market a tobacco product that to that business. Now. Uh, so what they're saying is you can get a free sample if you pay for it. So it's free as long as as long as the government collects its taxes from it, then then it's free. But you can't just say here, try this and see what you think. Um, it's like hey, the government has to get their cut first, and that to me is what all this BS is about. It's the government making sure they get their cut first, the little checkpoint, before somebody else gets to enjoy. It has nothing to do with the distribution of free samples and protecting consumers that's all smoke and mirrors it has to do with the government making sure they get their money first that's why they say you can buy one and then hand one out because the government then has money from it um, well you know ben there's an organization based out of atlanta here called secondhand smoke which does uh cigar parties for soldiers and what they do is you have to buy the cigars in the shop that they're holding the uh, party at and then donate those cigars. So you've actually paid for them and paid the taxes on them. And then they ship them right out. And that's how they're getting around it. So people well, are purchasing them and then donating them? Right. Okay. Well, I know when Kirk had his shop, uh, they had a a container there by the register where you could, you know, purchase a cigar and drop it into a container for the soldiers. I don't know if it was the Cigars for Warriors or another organization, but they had a a thing going. But the bottom line is, it's really it, it's not about the tobacco. It is about governmental no, control. It's about governmental control. They want their cut, and they want control of everything. They and can care less about the, protecting the consumer. It, yeah. it has nothing that, to do with that. Nothing. That's just like World War II. 
they ship plane loads of cigarettes to the soldiers. You know. So if they were so concerned about everybody's health, what happened? You know, they could have sent them cigars and it'd been a whole lot healthier. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. They come back with a smoking addiction. Don't want to get too off into uh, government and FDA, so we'll uh, swap over and jump into the five under segment for tonight. I bought in uh, a cigar that. Uh, I smoked an awful, awful lot in my early days and still smoke from time to time. Uh, it comes in roughly 3 to $5 a stick, depending on where you can find it. But it is the Padron 2000 Maduro. Uh, absolutely wonderful cigar. Uh, comes out of Nicaragua. Uh, typically find it in a 5x50 Robusto. Uh, now, it is a very plain Jane looking cigar. Just a nice dark wrapper with a, a very plain brown drone label. Uh, but don't uh, judge this particular book by its cover because it is an absolute uh, wonderful flavor. A uh, lot of chocolate cough, <clears throat> and coffee undertones. A little hint of pepper, just enough to keep it interesting. Uh, a great medium smoke that you can... Um, I've smoked them in the morning, middle of the day, and the evening, so it kind of became one of my my go-to cigars and definitely something I kept around just because of the price. Uh, and Padron themselves, that's a, a brand that you know you can rely on uh, in terms of quality because they make some of the greatest cigars out there. Uh, has anybody had this uh, particular Padron or uh, have any other cigars they want to add to the segment? I've smoked several of those, as you know, and I, I feel the same way. It's an excellent smoke, and at the price, it's a great smoke. Yeah, I've enjoyed that cigar myself. Unfortunately, they're a little difficult to find right now. Yeah, these, I would say, probably two to three years ago, they were very, very plentiful. Uh, but they have kind of, the stock has dwindled a bit. I'm not sure what's going on there, but hopefully it's not something that they're uh, planning on phasing out anytime soon because it's still a smoke that I enjoy from time to time. Uh, now, Alan, one I want to ask you about, uh, I saw you posted on Facebook the other night uh, that you finally had the chance to smoke the uh, H. Upman Nicaragua blended by AJ. Uh, any thoughts on that one? I actually, oh boy, let's let's just say I won't be buying another one. <coughs> Excuse me. It's um the way I would describe it is a little bit um, too much H. Upman and a little too little A.J. Fernandez. It. Uh, you know, I know it was rated uh, over 90, but uh, to me, it just didn't do it for me. And I was I was really disappointed with it. Well, and wow. that goes back to what we've said a lot of times on this show, and that is don't take my ratings or senior ratings or Ben or Allen's ratings as gospel because everyone's taste is very, very different. Yeah, you guys may love it. Oh yeah, yeah. we and, and we do. Me I, and senior senior had one today, I believe, actually. Yeah, I did. I I had one earlier, and yeah, that's 
I would say at least in my top ten, if not top five smokes right now. Well, there you go. So yeah, definitely don't uh, don't. We think all have different gospel. tastes. Yeah, definitely. And I love AJ Fernandez cigars, so that's why it was so disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's kind of like I know Alan, you you enjoy the the Kentucky Fire Curd, whereas uh, me and Senior don't typically care for it. So it's it, it goes both ways. Get get out there, try it for yourself. Let us know Twitter and Facebook what you think of these cigars. Or if you've smoked anything interesting uh, that you think we need to try, you know, don't be afraid to let us know because we'll definitely try to find it and uh, talk about it on the show. You know, on your – one of the things I, I want our listeners to be aware of is in cigar shops, they don't really like to have – five dollar cigars anymore because you're going to come in you're going to buy a cigar they want you to buy a ten dollar cigar because of course the the profit is higher and you know just be aware of that so oftentimes they will only have you know one or two cigars in that five dollar price range I would have thought, though, that it would actually have a reverse effect. That if you if you do have those value brand cigars, it it, it would be a, appealing to more people, of course, being a, a lower price point, and that might entice them to buy that and maybe try something else, maybe more expensive, because you're getting them in as that cigar kind of introductory. So, you know, uh, you know, like uh, Matt Booth did the payback. You know, they're they're less expensive line. Tatuaje has a tattoo. Um, you know, it's a way of getting into those cigars, and even though it's a lower price point, but that might say, hey, you know, for $5 I had this, they might be willing to try something else. So that would be, that was how I would normally think of it, but apparently you know, I've never run a shop, so I've, you know, I don't know for certain. Um, but in your experience, you think that they're, they're phasing those parts out just to get them to start off on higher end price points? That is correct. Okay. And a lot of times I've noticed in several of the shops near me, are guilty of doing this, they'll have, uh, you know, we'll say three to five sub $5 choices that are, that are very good, but they're very, very well hidden in the humidor. If you don't know where they are, you would probably glaze right over them because they're surrounded by flashy brands like Camacho and Taranio and uh, these brands that have the big bright labels that are going to catch your attention and kind of guide you away from the uh, the cheaper options. They're usually on the bottom shelves. Yeah, yeah for sure. In the corner. So now, what, did it make you feel ashamed for buying it? Like, oh, well, if you want the $5, dollars you got to look you know, down there next to the dustbin or something. It's like, <laughs> is that kind of how they, how they have it set up? They just hope you well, don't. If, you, if you look at the buying habits of people when they go into a humidor, it is amazing how many of them are buying off of the eye-level shelves. And that's typically where you put your most expensive cigars. Okay, well then how do you explain people who are infatuated with acid, and those are typically cheaper cigars, and they put those in like in its own case by itself to where you can just go right from there and it's eye-level. You know, my shop does that. Acid's just by itself, and it's all there, and people go nuts for those. And well, they are cheaper. Absolutely. That's so they won't contaminate the other cigars. Exactly. <laughs> oh. oh. 
Exactly. That's why they're in a separate cabinet. And the yeah, usually running scores of the other cigars. Okay. The guy's smoking acid. That's almost like the acid cigars, rather. Uh, it's almost a cult <laughs> following. Almost a cult following of these guys. That's what they're coming in for. That's what they're going to get. You know. Regardless. Yeah. It's it's not the rest of us that are you know going through the humidor and picking from all the other actual cigars. So if you see a Padron or a San Cristobal and an acid and then a, you know, you're not just going to, ooh, an a, you know, acid is kind of its own cult following. Yeah. Yeah. You know, usually... it's, it's, it's funny when you talk about acid because people either love them or they absolutely detest them. Now, what I find interesting is that they sell an incredible amount of acid cigars. It is some of the best sellers on the market. So who's buying them? I think a lot of guys buy them and don't let anybody know, and then they smoke them in their back deck you know, when nobody's around because they don't want the hassle from their friends. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I really don't think acids are the ones that you see people pulling out on the golf course uh, to mm. smoke for nine holes. So they secretly enjoy them. It's an underground cult following. I think in a lot of ways it really is. I mean, okay, so when you ran the shop, did you see a lot of people coming in, grabbing acids, and then smoking them in the shop? Believe it or not, uh, the typical acid smoker was the younger smoker, say under 30. Okay. So you, uh, another thing was a lot of women like acid cigars. Flavors. Yes. Okay. But then again, you know, I'm one of those people, I don't like flavored cigars. I like the tobacco flavor. Same thing with, with coffee. I like coffee. I don't want chocolate coffee or caramel coffee. You know, I don't want that. I want coffee coffee. I want my coffee not to taste like coffee. You. <laughs> what do you want it to taste like? Mountain Dew? You want your coffee to taste like Mountain Dew, don't you? Yes, so I'm just going to pour Mountain Dew in a coffee cup. But no, I, I, I'm sort of the opposite of Alan on that one. You I like want it to the, taste uh, like... Coke Zero. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Orange, Coke Zero Orange is crush. my, my go-to. With a heavy influence of caramel, chocolate, sugar. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Uh, Junior's coffee drinks. Yeah, Starbucks and McDonald's, uh, Frappuccinos and lattes and cap of mocha whatevers. You do like that stuff. Yeah, I remember that. You get the large coffee from Starbucks. <laughs> stop, stop judging me, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the the only acid that I can actually tolerate smoking is the Cuba Cuba. Uh, I think I've actually got one in the humidor. I'd have to go dig around and see if it's still in there. But that's the only one. Uh, they make one acid called the Nasty that I did try, and it is very aptly named. Okay. Uh, because it is nasty. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm. But it warns you that. Hopefully you've got that cigar in a little plastic bag so it doesn't contaminate everything else in the humidor. 
Oh yeah, it, yeah. it's it's ziplocked uh, all by itself. We don't want it lowering the credit scores of the other brands on the shelf, so keep it keep it separate. <laughs> I'll, I'll gift it to uh, the senior for Christmas. Oh gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what was that flavored cigar you had Marley try? Oh god, that was. Um, it's a pumpkin it was spice, a pumpkin spice, right? Yeah, CAO pumpkin yeah, spice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what the God hell are you talking goodies. about? Okay, so did you say this CEO, was, CAO pumpkin spice? Yeah, that's what he said. Jesus. Yeah, it was uh, a special Halloween edition. It had like a, a scary pumpkin on the side. Well, it had the headless horseman with the yeah. the pumpkin in his hand. I mean, the the label was cool. I mean, it, bought it for me. What are you, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> I, I thought. I thought it was kind of like the AO's Angry Santa line, you know, where they got the... Yeah. But no, this one was pumpkin spice. And and Senior, to his credit, he called and warned me, and he said, I smoke this, you're probably not going to want to smoke it. So what did you so do? So it floated around in the humidor for a while. Uh, we were at Woodstock, and uh, Darlene and Marley were talking about uh, the cherry-flavored Javas and... Darlene's a huge fan of the Java myth. And I said, well, here, here's pumpkin spice. Who wants to try it? And Marley was brave. And we, um, it was so bad, um, they almost kicked me out. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Uh, it's, the, it's the only cigar I've ever seen her put out. It's going to happen. And, and admittedly, from, from the smell uh, the smoke was putting out, I, I don't blame her. Which, now, I, I told her before I handed it to her, I was like, I, I've heard this is not great, so if you try it and you don't like it, you know, no offense taken, so. But yeah, it's, uh, it did, did not turn out well. Hmm. Okay. Well, gentlemen, uh, looks like we've wrapped up another successful episode here. Anybody got anything they want to close on? Yes, I do. I want to make sure that everybody is aware of an event that is going to happen here in Atlanta. It's called a Full Moon Herf. These have been going on for years. A gentleman by the name of Old Boar, uh, Bill Stanton, runs these events. They are only on Saturday nights where we have a full moon. Some years we've been lucky enough to have three, sometimes two, sometimes one. And these are really, really neat events. Uh, This year it's going to be on November 4th. It's at 7 p.m. It's at Mozzie's Sports Bar and Grill, so we can indeed smoke there. It's going to be in Norcross. And the benefit is for operation freedom smoke and what he'd like everybody to do is to donate 10 cigars for the troops and you'll get an extra raffle ticket it is a ten dollar admission charge but you do get a raffle ticket when you go in of course you can buy extra raffle tickets and it is amazing how many gifts uh, will be given away in the in this raffle as a matter of fact, I'm going to try to talk you guys into coming here for the uh, weekend, and we'll all go to the Herf. Okay, what's the, we got a date on that? That is November 4th, Saturday night. 
Okay, I'll have to look and see what's going on during that time. I'm off on Sunday, so I could potentially take a half day and go over. But yeah, we'll see what we can do with that. Um, has anyone else seen... Okay, so the the event formerly known as TweetUp on Facebook. Yeah, you uh, you tagged yes. me in that. Uh, Call it Tefka2. Yeah, that's the worst name for that. in the history of history. It most certainly is. Uh, so apparently they're trying to keep the ball rolling, uh, I guess. Uh, and it's going to have Willie Herrera there and Kyle Davis. That's Saturday, October 28th from 11 to 7 at Burns Tobacconist in Chattanooga. So I won't be going to that. And then there's another one the next day from uh, Acid. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not not going out of my way for that one. No, not particularly, no. Um, You know, after after last year, uh, I prefer to... uh, remember tweet up the way it once was uh, because and, and I said this in Woodstock when we were all sitting around talking uh, if it wasn't for tweet up I wouldn't know Alan I wouldn't know Jerry Darlene Marley any of these or Ben for that matter um, thanks so in a <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah ben, ben. put me in par- put me in parentheses oh and, uh, and Ben uh, <laughs> but, but yeah I mean it, I, I owe a lot of uh, friendships to that event, so I, I don't, I don't want to hate on it too much. But, yeah, I prefer to remember it the way it was to uh, what it's turned into. Well, they're not yeah, really the calling years. this tweet-up. No. Uh, I, I just hope nobody else's restaurant gets burnt down. Yeah, Because that, that, that did not end well. <laughs> Poor yeah, guy. To, to be the, the the food truck guy who's running an event and have his restaurant burned down in the middle, of, we're literally setting upstairs with this guy sitting downstairs. His building's burning down. The guy doesn't know he's outside serving chicken fingers. That was so weird. That was the weirdest thing I've I'd ever like, seen in an event. Will someone go tell the poor man that uh, his restaurant is? Yeah, you down. need to go check on this building there. What's was, up, bizarre? I Thank you for the catch so uh, <laughs> Thank you for the chicken fingers. It was delicious. By the way, your building's on fire. Have a good rest of the afternoon. <laughs> just a poor guy, just trying to make a living. <laughs> oh, All right. Anybody uh, got anything else they want to throw out tonight? All good here. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us uh, for another edition of the Cigar Tipsters podcast, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. See you guys. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.